Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Dave Neal, stand-up comic, host of Bachelor Nation News. We just celebrated week two of The Bachelor. Let's discuss it. It's Bachelor Rush Hour. We're doing it, folks. All right, we're kicking the drama into high gear. Zach Shall Cross has met all the women, and then he met even more, which would be the alumni on the show tonight, or I should say last night, which was Victoria, Courtney, and Tajwan making an appearance. Tajwan shooting her shot with Zach Shall Cross. He says, you shall not. Uh, week two of Zach's journey, the dates and emotional spiraling begin. Plus, Lato, Lato pays a visit with her bad sitch energy, of course, I guess sitch is the safe way to say bad bitch energy. I don't know. Either way, did you enjoy the situation? I have to say, so we discussed in detail the exact timeline, you know, recap of last night's episode, but I, I just have this hunch that that's not the best way to um, to discuss the show. You know, we say recap, but it's like, let's just assume you guys watched it, I watched it, and let's get into the greater cultural or social issues that exist on the show. So... My thought, if you had, if I didn't know the behind the scenes of the production or that the ratings were bad, my thought of episode two of The Bachelor was that it was extremely high produced. I mean that. I thought the um, bad bitch energy portion was beautifully shot. I thought it had a nice high energy. The lighting was great. I mean, just just the little things that I look at, I go, this show might be taking a pivot from the direction of nonstop drama, and maybe they are realizing that the slow burn of a gas lamp could uh, provide more light than a firecracker. Because that's kind of what the show seems to have become with you know Clayton's messy season and other messy seasons like the way Matt James' season ended. The show has kind of become just chaotic, which, you know, serves a point in the short term. That's like having a chocolate cake. Like, we love a good chocolate cake but at the same time can that nourish us for the long term and zach dodged many chances to take the bait to uh maybe enter the the mud uh flinging pit known as the dramatic side of the show so essentially you've got zach uh, as the bachelor and then you have 30 plus women limited down to 20 plus however many it is and there's going to be drama and things like that that come up of course a lot of the cattle prodding will happen from the producers themselves but the most interesting part of the episode to me dramatically speaking was when brianna wouldn't let the her issue with christina mandrell go now just on surface value you look at christina mandrell and you can see how someone could portray the villain. She's got that Southern charm that sometimes can be interpreted a certain way. Like, essentially, the whole fight that Brianna had, and Brianna's America's First Impression Rose winner, but essentially the whole fight she had was that Brianna told her, you're like, I hate you, JK, in reference to the fact that she looked so good. So the only issue of the show was that Brianna looked so good, so good, so good, that... That Christina jokingly said, I hate you. Um, and Brianna called out <laughs> Christina and explained, Hey, I, you know, you said you hated me and it just, I, I took it the wrong way. And Christina immediately goes, I am so sorry. No, 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 that wasn't my intent. Um, if I, I understand, I heard you. She, she said all the right things to squash this conversation right away. And Brianna's response was, 
I'm going to need you to take action to make sure this doesn't happen again. It felt like Brianna was like in the HR department. I got extremely weird vibes from this. And this coming from me, who I looked at this season, seeing Brianna as the first impression Rose winner, beautiful, charming, flirty, fun from the live show. And I go, this is her bachelorette to win. She's a top three candidate before the season even starts to be the next Bachelorette. And now we are sort of watching that slip away from her. So to make matters worse, as we all watch, Brianna goes up to Zach and says, hey, I had this issue with somebody after the issue was completely squashed. And Zach said, I don't want to have you have to tell me who it was, even though Brianna seemingly was going to give that information away. So Brianna ends up still sharing the play-by-play of what went down. And Zach, Zach was set a very healthy boundary, I thought. Rather than coddling Brianna, he said, this just doesn't seem like fun. Now, of course, every conversation with someone you're potentially going to marry doesn't have to be fun. But in the grand scheme of dating, they're still on the first hour, the first minute of the first hour of their relationship. So no drama. You know, if you've ever been in a relationship where drama exists before, I don't know, the third date, um, you might realize, oh, boy, is did this drama randomly come out of nowhere or does drama follow this person? And to give benefit and grace to Brianna, you could say, well, she's in a situation where she's the one who got the target on her back because she, you know, was the America's Rose winner and never actually got the first rose from Zach. But remember, this is after she had already communicated that insecurity to Zach and he made out with her. So they kissed, they did the thing. She's like, I'm here for you. And, and and still, her sort of reasoning for wanting more airtime with Zach was to discuss this um, fight, this one-sided fight with Christina. So what actions can Christina take to avoid this happening again? Stay away from Brianna. That's my advice. And that's my sort of deep dive look at what we saw last night. I also loved um, the uh, resolution that we saw with Gabriella, aka Gabby from Vermont. We started her episode with her having not even talked to Zach yet. And then she got a conversation with him. And then what happened after that? You know, she had to deal with Jess and all these other women discussing how he made out with them and how he made them feel a certain way. And she goes, I didn't get that out of my conversation at all. So how did it go next? Well, she brought some peanut butter cup kit because Sabrina, some peanut butter cups to, uh, you know, which is like taking a gun to a knife fight. She brings the sugar and the chocolate to the uh, to the couch with Zach, and they, of course, eat it from opposite ends. And as you know, when you eat food from opposite ends, you work your way to the center, and that's where they nibbled on each other's lips. And I got to tell you, good energy uh, between Gabby and Zach. He said she gives him butterflies. So also interesting because, look, if Gabby's guilty of anything, it's that she's not the type who's going to really run after Zach and pursue him. And there's probably a, you know, everyone's different, but there's probably got to be some healthy mix between pursuing somebody, but also being confident in what you have and making him pursue you. This might sound sexist. I don't know. Let me, let me know if you think it is. But there is some sort of genetic thing there with making the guy come after you. Now, if you're Madison and he doesn't come after you, your intuition might say, I don't think he's that into me. And you would be right. So it only works playing hard to get. And I don't even mean hard to get with mind control and games like that, but it only works when 
you actually are something that he would like to chase after, right? If, if that's not the case, then you, you know, nothing happens at all. But if you're too pushy, then, then he's, then it's going to, you know, be opposite feelings. So very fine line to walk, but it looks like Gabby did a good job of threading the needle as it were. Any other key takeaways I'm missing from this episode? We really got nothing out of Victoria Fuller. Um, kind of goes to show unless there's a, a a man to be fighting over that there's really no strong communication happening there courtney robertson of course has a new podcast she just launched on the game of roses network she said she'd be um uh, able to join us on our channel so maybe we'll be interviewing courtney roberts robertson who is i guess you would call the first villain to win she won ben's season i think they broke up while the show aired so it didn't last too long but she was the villain of her season which was a season before the 24-hour social media news cycle so maybe she didn't get the same airtime or instagram following that contestants now get i mean she was the finalist and she only has 50,000 instagram subscribers where you have someone like maddie pruitt a finalist and has 1.7 million so talk about a different situation but either way she seems happy and i think just had her second child so along with victoria fuller who's with greg grippo as of the taping of that, that they were together at that point and Courtney Robertson married. Then you've got Tajwan single. So another interesting moment where the show brings on Tajwan and you wonder if like you date back to P- to pilot Pete season when Hannah Brown almost entered, um, it would be interesting to get more alumni crashing the show. I mean, why not? You know, we see it happen once in a while. If you remember Nick Vile crashed, crashed Caitlin Bristow season, ended up making it to the final, you know, the finals there. Um, so it does happen. The show likes to throw a little extra layer to the drama, bring back some fan favorites. Although I would say um, Tajwan, not exactly like that huge of a following. If you were going to bring back someone who was like a favorite, you know, I'm trying to think of ones that aren't taken and in relationships, you know, like a Katie Thurston, like say Katie was into, you know, we saw that happen with Blake Moines when he went back on um, Katie's season after going on Clarentatia's season. Um, I think I think they should have like every season there should be one card that can be played, the alumni card, and they phone in one alumni every season just to say like, hey, you know, keep everyone on their best behavior. Let me know what you guys think. Well, speaking of some problematic content from this past episode, Brianna, and I am not here to expose her. This is just a conversation that I found happening online, has a, a beauty company that she's talked about being an entrepreneurial woman. But it turns out the only product she sells, she drop ships. And I'm going to explain this in greater length in this next clip. So have a listen. Brianna Thorborn, America's first impression rose winner on this season of The Bachelor, appears to have a product, her only product that she sells as the CEO of her makeup company that has a markup of up to 10 times the unit cost. We're going to look into this. Is it drop shipping? How does this even happen? Uh, is it innovative and creative? And or is it uh, predatory? And again, we live in a capitalistic society where just about everything is predatory. 
territory. We've got companies that make everything for cheaper overseas, and we call it out when we see it. We know Maddie Pruitt and even Becca Kufrin took money to promote Shein, the fast fashion company, which has been accused of pretty much everything from slave labor in Bangladesh to uh, appropriating cultures. They even had a swastika on one of their garments of clothing. So wild stuff out there when we see something within our little Bachelor Nation community. We like to talk about it. Now, here's my challenge for you. Let's hate, let's not hate the player. Let's hate the game. Let's not be super critical of Brianna, but let's talk about the world that creates these types of products that are bought and sold overseas and sold at a significant markup to us, the end consumer. Here's what ABC says of Brianna on their um on their uh, homepage. Brianna is a boss woman looking to add some love to her life. She's smart, entrepreneurial, and creative, which led her to owning a successful beauty company at just 24 years young. Brianna is giving she-eo vibes now that her career is in such a good spot. She seems to have everything in place except for a man. So of course, the more she's talked about, we saw that on last night's week two episode of Bachelor, where she talked about her bad sitch moment was starting her own beauty company, which is great. It's 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 nice to be entrepreneurial. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. But the question people are asking is, is the company legit? And we don't have all the information, so we're going to go off of what we have here. But this was brought to the attention of our audience here uh, by a user on Reddit. Here's her beauty revolver kit. It sells for $100. Create the flawless airbrush look of your dreams with this sleek brush's 200 revolutions per minute. The beauty revolver is an essential tool for anyone who wants perfectly blended application even on the go. You know me. You think I look I look pretty for 37. Uh, why do I Dave, why do you look so nice? Is it the 17 LED lights hitting you so you don't see any wrinkles or is it my beauty revolver kit? I'll let you guys decide. So anyway, $100 isn't rare and it's not rare to see markups in the beauty world. Uh, but if we look as was exposed on AliExpress, AliExpress, which is a company that exists overseas, I believe it's in China, um, you can buy this piece for $16.30. Um, uh, it's uh, That's a cheap price. That's a cheap price. Um, home use beauty automatic electric makeup brush cleaner convenient kit. So you can decide what color you want. It comes in black or white. And like I said, it can uh, if you if you were to buy a lot of these pieces, like if she were to actually take inventory of these pieces and buy over a thousand of them, it drives the cost down. So you can buy all these things overseas. A lot of the junk that we see on Amazon is just stuff that is drop shipped from overseas. And people ask, what is drop shipping? We'll get to that in a second here. And I'll read some of the comments that have been made regarding this uh, sort of revelation. But her return policy, uh, essentially they don't offer returns unless it's unopened, but they do exchanges here, which is very interesting that they allow for exchanges and a store credit. But when we look at the store, the only thing this store sells is this one kit. So if you don't like it, you can get an exchange for a different color, I suppose, black or white. Um, but anyway, here's an article on drop shipping. It's bullshit inside the weird get-rich-quick world of dropshipping. In West in Bali, Western immigrants are selling products they've never handled from countries they've never visited to consumers they've never met. So this article by Wired talks about the the sort of overseas aspect of dropshipping and how people are just literally living on these at these beautiful resorts, pushing buttons and letting uh, consumers uh, pay for their travels. Dropshipping is a fulfillment method. 
And again, I don't know that she is drop shipping, so we're going to give Brianna the benefit of the doubt here. She might have bought all these products, is keeping inventory. I don't know. I didn't personally order one. At one end of the supply chain, an entrepreneur, Brianna, identifies a product, this revolving blush tool. And I blushed when I saw the price, usually through Chinese e-commerce platform AliExpress, which is where this product was found, which they then, which they think they can sell to European or American consumers. They create a website using Shopify and identify and target buyers, typically using Facebook ads. Although you will find dropshippers on other platforms, including Instagram, or selling through marketplaces such as online homeware store Wayfair. When an order is received, the dropshipper purchases the item through AliExpress and has it shipped directly to the buyer, pocketing their market up minus marketing spend. Someone had to. Tr someone tried to get me to do this one day. They were selling antennas that they were able to sell for like sixty-five dollars in the U.S. and they only bought them for seven dollars overseas. And look, at some point, you know, you, you can. The, the, the markup exists because you do market the product, you do pay for advertising and all these things, but at what cost? Successful dropshippers often solve so-called pain points. Perhaps you like to go running with your dog, but find holding the leash a chore. A dropshipper finds a hands-free running leash on AliExpress and targets it. So that's how it works. They find a solution to your problem and make money uh, based on the markup they can charge. So the dropshipper is just the middleman. Brianna's the middleman here. When an order is received, the dropshipper purchases the item through AliExpress and has it shipped directly to the buyer, pocketing the markup minus marketing spend. At no point does a dropshipper hold stock. They are simply the middleman in a globalized supply chain. So if Brianna's not actually spending, paying any money to market the product, if she's just going off of her uh, social media reach, she's making um, about uh, just under uh, $75 per sale. And if you want to check out that full video, it's up on YouTube. I'll cut it off there. And it's like people go, so, someone said, hey, what's the point of this video? Well, what do you think the point is? You know, the whole point of The Bachelor is like, who's here for the right reasons? And as, as, as I always say, there are no right reasons. Do what you want, you know, and, and all that. But of course, at some point, uh, you know, if you're going to get exposed for, you know, such a blatant, you know, price gouging, not the most egregious story out there, but worth discussing. And the next one we have worth discussing is that pesky trip to Dubai. Well, Jason Tartik on his podcast, Trading Secrets, discusses the dilemma of going to a country in which their human rights laws do not equal those of most first world nations. Have a listen. Jason went to Dubai with his brother, who is a married gay man. Why is that important? Well, homosexuality is illegal in the United Arab Emirates. And we're going to discuss the idea that we've presented that Bachelor alumni sold their influence in Dubai. We saw Cassie Randolph and Tasha, Matt James, Jason Tartik, um, Nick Vial turned it down, but others were all invited to this 1,400-person concert. And of course, in this video that I already made, the idea was that, well, this isn't just a concert for the Atlantis Hotel. These are state-sponsored events to say, look, Beyonce comes here. It's okay if you can't be gay or wear a bikini or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying you can't wear a bikini in Dubai. I'm just saying, is the Western influence and the uh, capitalism of an international tourism market enough to persuade countries to have basic human rights, like homosexuality being legal. And some might say, well, you know, it's only been so recently that, you know, um, homosexuals could get married in the U.S. True, but at least 
it wasn't illegal. And again, everyone, you know, uh, it, you know, is open to posting their comments on this discussion. But um, I've been critical of it. And again, not to say I wouldn't have gone on the trip, but I would have for sure looked into it. And we're going to do that right now. Let's listen to his Instagram reel and then what Jason and his brother had to say about taking the trip, knowing full well there would be some ramifications uh, to the human rights issues that exist. To we estimated about a hundred million bucks. I do want to get into like just the ROI of this, right? But only fourteen hundred people, and she's putting on this concert. And he said that over easily over a billion impressions were made. People are like, well, how do they get their return? Think about what people pay for a Super Bowl commercial, right? Thirty seconds this year, six and a half million dollars. All of marketing forever is just about eyeballs, impressions. Yeah. So everyone who went to the concert had to post and share a hashtag of Atlantis. If they're saying they didn't have to, they're wrong. They're lying. By the way, typo down there podcast is two A's. All right. But either way, uh, the, he, uh, Jason does a really good job with his podcast, uh, top 50 in business. He's willing to have difficult conversations and that's what we love and are trying to do. Like I said, I don't knock them for going, but we have to talk about not just the issues of homosexuality being illegal, but if we look at this article I just found in the Harvard, um, uh, what's it called? The Harvard, uh, international review, there are tons of migrant workers uh, that go to Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, to build infrastructure. And when they arrive, their passports are confiscated at the airport. Employers justify the confiscations by claiming that they need the employee's passport so that their visas can be issued. As we know, when you uh, when there's uh, the World Cup in Qatar, and when there's, a, a, and again, which is a different country, I made that mistake and said Qatar was in the UAE. It's a different country. It's, it's a neighboring country. But when you, there's <laughs> a lot to, co to cover and talk about here. But when when you discuss some of these human rights issues that people are dying to build stadiums for Westerners enjoyment, it's important to know that, you know, a lot of these countries have extreme wealth and they can throw money on top of problems to mask them. How uh, the 1,400 people were treated that went to Dubai isn't necessarily how the citizens are treated and it's not necessarily how the migrant workers are treated that might become literally indentured servants. Their passports are taken until they complete a job under hostile and dangerous conditions. That's scary that that exists in 2023. Let's hear what Jason and his brother have to say about the trip. And just the perfection of that show. It was fun to watch her. It was a moment I'll never forget. And it was even more fun to watch you, a moment I too will never forget. I want to get into Dubai a little bit. We just had a full episode of it and have had a lot of questions come in. And I think you would be the best person to answer this. But of course, when traveling to Dubai, there's some... Um, Controversy. We know that Beyonce dealt with some controversy, even taking this opportunity. And you being a gay married man and extremely active in gay rights, what is just your overall on take on traveling to a place like Dubai when they have, I guess, how I would summarize it is cultural rights that is certainly holding humanity back? The laws of Dubai are horrible. <laughs> They're like, they are a. Uh you know, humanitarian travesty, what they actually put on the books. I mean, it's illegal to be gay there. And as a, you know, as a guest, there's two realities. There's what the law is and like, you know, what, what, what risk one is actually at. And then there's the on the ground, like, how does it feel to be there? And, you know, the, 
the laws are abhorrent. And I, I totally respect anyone who would say, I'm never traveling to a place like that so long as that's their policy. That is a perfectly respectable position. It's not the position I take. And I. So my pushback here, and again, they, they do a really good job of having this conversation. The pushback isn't that you traveled to the country. It's that you were bought and paid for. So they might say, well, they didn't pay them to be there. They paid them with first class flights and beautiful hotels and things like that. They gave them this vacation to say, look, show up, be an audience, promote the thing, and you're going to love what you see. And this is, and it's again, not as bad as North Korea, but we all know people have done these tours in North Korea where an ambassador shows them these like fruit filled supermarkets. Oh, isn't it so nice up here? It's all cosplay. Again, like I said, not as bad. This isn't a communist country, but just because the rules are archaic doesn't mean that the rules apply to them. They're the ones with the money coming in and the influence. Of course, they're going to make it look like everything's peachy for them, but we're, you know, we're the migrants that built the, the Atlantis resort how are they doing and i don't even know the answer to that but like no one's concerned about them because they're not the ones bringing in the money they're uh expendable in 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 the eyes of uh the the infrastructure that's built there in truth you know there are states in our country that have abhorrent laws and generally speaking i i try not to send my business and money there but it's it's a true consideration that you know Gay people, trans folks, women have to consider more and more and more as they like plot their path. I'll say that on the ground, you enter Dubai and you are, you know, whisked away to your ultra luxury resort. And you don't really, I didn't think twice about being gay there. It, you know, it, when you're in those bubbles of the tourism pockets, exactly. they are very happy to have you as you are. So as far as, uh, as you know, it's actually, they're just helping Dubai even more. They're, they're, they're making the point that, no, no, as long as you're a tourism and you're coming in, things are perfectly fine. You don't have to see the underbelly of who the rules exist for. And they want your money. And they're, you know, we saw women in bikinis, you know, they're, <laughs> there was drinking, like there, it, it did not seem, it did not feel restrictive in. So it says here, I just pulled up on TripAdvisor, how many Nepalese workers die of overwork, poor conditions at the Atlantis Palms Hotel in Dubai every year? 400. And again, this is just a comment from somebody, but yikes. The very privileged bubble of the luxury tourism that we were participating in. Is there something? To, I guess again, these are these deaths I'm speaking of are in the construction of these hotels. I think those are all, that's all extremely well said. Is there something to be said about the way that the progress in the Western world and Western Hemisphere just drives the entirety of the world? Slowly does have impact on areas like the Middle East when people like yourself say, "I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to show who I am." I. I don't care that it's illegal there because I still feel comfortable in who I am. And some of that progress eventually then bleeds for change that we're already seeing via protests in the Middle East, especially after World Cup and things like that. I mean, do you think that that's a fair stance that showing up to these places is almost part of that progress the Western Hemisphere has had on these places and what's happening or no? Well, well, I think certainly like 
a country like Dubai wanting our money has forced them uh, to be more accommodating than they may want to be. All right. So I like the idea. He's saying that the free market of letting people in forces them to kind of adapt to the Western world. Uh, not bad. Not bad. It's one way to look at it. But again, like I said, it's not that you're just operating as a tourist. You were, you were, your vacation was bought and paid for. And with that comes some light criticism. Honest and to be entertaining. Okay. That's a good one. Did you have any idea about this whole tart influencer trip that was going on? Did you hear anything about that or no? And did you have a take? I heard, I heard some rumblings about it, but I, I don't know the, the details of it. That's a, is that a beauty brand or? Yep. Big beauty brand. They were also in Dubai and there's a lot of question marks of was some of these dollars supported by Dubai and just not the hotel in general and didn't know if you had a take on that. Probably. <laughs> All right. And then they discuss probably. Yeah. It's not just that it's a hotel bringing people in. It's that the, these countries have a lot of money, have deep pockets. We talked about Saudi Arabia and how literal, literal assassination of journalists happening. And yet they're considered an ally because they're the number one petroleum export in the world. That's the world we live in, folks. The world where we look over human rights issues because of capitalism. Our next clip is some entertainment news outside the Bachelor world. Mr. Beast under fire for a video he made in which he cured blindness in a thousand people. It's a strange and bizarre story, but it highlights a greater issue that exists not just in our country, but in the capitalistic society at large. Have a listen. This whole video in its entirety can be found on the Dave Neal Show's YouTube channel. Mr. Beast trending on Twitter, receiving tons of hate for, now hold on a second, making a video where he cured blindness in a thousand people. He gave a thousand people the gift of sight that uh, they couldn't afford previously. And for some reason, he's receiving hate because he's the biggest YouTuber in the world and makes a ton of money, even though he gives pretty much all of it back to different communities. It's an interesting story. We're going to get into this hellscape we live in where anyone could think that Mr. Beast charity is not a good thing. And again, people are going to say it's not a good thing because he does it for profit. Well, the Mr. Beast business model is make a lot of money from YouTube videos and give it back to not just his employees, uh, but his business gives it to charitable causes all over the world. Uh, he's kind of become the Oprah of YouTube, essentially. Uh, so we're going to get into this story right now. Follow me on Instagram at dneals, patreon.com slash Dave Neal if you want to donate to my tip jar. So he said, I don't understand why curable blindness is a thing. Why don't governments step in and help? Even if you're thinking purely from a financial standpoint, it's hard to see how they don't ROI on taxes from people being able to work again. Here's the Mr. Beast video in question. It's got 62 million views. It's number two on trending. And... It's a great video if you watch it for the people in the video. He cures them. They're able to see their kids for the first time. He gives away a Tesla to a guy who can now drive. He gives tens of thousands of dollars to multiple people. It's going to be crazy. Most of us see the world like this. But here's the thing. 200 million people see the world like this. So, of course, he's developed. I mean, Mr. B he's had his YouTube channel for over a decade. Uh, he's He's 
uh, went viral from, I think, uh, counting on a live stream from zero to 100,000. He's had his growing pains of finding out who he is, and he's said problematic things like anybody in their teens or youth has, and he's decided with his platform he's going to use it for good. He's opened channels in other languages where he finds the local celebrities of those different cultures to dub his videos. He's super uh, Beast Burger uh, and the chocolate bars. He's got all these uh, sort of companies that have spawned from him uh, being famous on YouTube. Um, so he posted this in response to all the negative backlash he's getting from people. And the people are saying, you know, essentially, if you could conflate what all the negative backlash is, it's like, um, what, you know, he thinks he's doing good, but he's really the one profiting off of all of the poverty that's out there. He said, Twitter, rich people should help others with their money. Me. Okay, I'll use my money to help people. And I promise to give away all my money before I die. Every single penny. Twitter, Mr. Beast bad. Now, Mr. Beast has gotten to legend status. I remember watching his content pre-COVID and he was giving away a car, giving a $10,000 tip to a waitress, um, helping um, give away a house to a Domino's delivery driver, little things like that, which is, you know, life-changing to the individual. And now with his charity, I mean, he's building orphanages in South Africa. It is to the scope of doing what you might consider, you know, he might be considered the biggest, most charitable person out there. Um, okay, so anyway, Mr. Beast cured 1,000 people's blindness because society is broken. That a wealthy YouTuber had to step in to provide access to a quick surgery is dystopian, but that may have been the point. So um, we already got to that. So here's what my good friend, I don't know her personally, but I love Crystal Ball had to say just now on Breaking Points. Here was some of the online discourse, courtesy of Distractify, to give you a little bit of flavor of what people were saying. Quote, if Mr. Beast truly wanted to do something good and truly cares about disabled people, he would not monetize their suffering and make them tap dance on video just so he can slap it up on YouTube. I'm tired of having to perform gratitude for wealthy people just to stay alive. Others went even further. This person tweeted, there is something so demonic about this, and I can't even articulate what it is. Now, I would say this. If you're blind and you can't afford the simple procedure to cure your blindness, and someone said, hey, all you got to do is do it on camera, wouldn't you do it? So to say that they're tap dancing, I don't think any of these videos are exploitative in the sense that they're um, they're making people do anything that's out of their comfort zone. We've got screenshots from the video. Sticking with the satanic theme here, this individual really went all in tweeting, he is literally the Antichrist. He is performing our society's equivalent of miracles through these excessive acts of faux generosity and is garnering everyone's undivided love and admiration in doing so. He will start subverting Christ's teachings next and preaching selfish action. <laughs> Mr. What? Beast apparently literally causing the end times or something. Now, all of this is clearly pretty unhinged, not because their rage is unjustified, but because it is wildly misplaced. Mr. Beast did not create a situation where 100 million people around the world have curable blindness, which could be fixed with this simple 10-minute surgery. In America, Mr. Beast did not architect the disgusting for-profit healthcare system that allows people in the richest country in the world to go without basic healthcare. So we talk a lot about this, and uh, it triggers a lot of people, but the idea of universal 
healthcare. The idea that we all pay in and receive health care in return. A lot of people say, well, I like my employer's health care. But the very basic question we have to ask ourselves in the United States of America is, why is our health care tied to an employer? Why do they get to dangle our own health over our head? Oh, want to better stay in your job? Well, if I work for five years, I'll start to get X amount back on my retirement. I'll start to get better benefits. It just doesn't make sense. I've been a freelancer my whole life. I pay about almost $500 a month for health insurance. I finally started buying health insurance this past year when my YouTube channel became profitable. Before then, I had whatever the local state-sponsored thing is where you got to show up and wait in line and this and that, and which is better than nothing. But at the same time, it's wild that we've been taught to defend a privatized healthcare system when for everything we pay for, we pay more per unit than any other first world country. We have to, we have to remember that we pay more for our health insurance. And, and what are we told? Well, if you go to Canada and you need to get an MRI, it's going to be a three month wait. We are told all these things. Uh, which essentially are paid for by the big medic medical companies, big pharma and healthcare insurance companies, because they're the ones making all the money. If you cut out the middleman, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, government, uh, government works super inefficiently. There needs to be a lot of ways that we fix it all. But by Mr. Beast making this video, he's enlightening people to the actual problem that exists. Very funny comedian Gianmarco says Americans will praise Mr. Beast for helping 1,000 blind people see again and then not support universal health care. The only people it seems that support universal health care are the people that don't have good uh, uh, health care plans attached to their jobs. And there's plenty of jobs out there now that we're moving to a freelance lifestyle and a freelance culture. There are plenty of jobs out there that just don't provide health insurance. So what are you supposed to break your leg because uh, you slipped on ice and then go bankrupt? Isn't it, isn't it a wild thought, folks? All right, let's finish what Crystal has to say. But the Mr. Beast video, it does definitely expose a grotesque failing in our system here. It reminds me of the meme about how all those heartwarming local news stories just basically illustrate some truly dystopian element of our society. Like, here's a few examples. Heartwarming. Coworkers donate sick days, personal time off for nurse who can't work while battling leukemia. Or there's this one. I hope I make it. Seven-year-old Alabama girl selling lemonade to fund her own brain surgeries. Or getting closer to the Mr. Beast dynamic, Brighton teacher who went above and beyond for students wins a year of rent payments on the Ellen DeGeneres show. So at least Mr. Beast is rewarding people on his channel and who consume his content with these sort of perks that we wouldn't need to have if we lived in a society where we took care of our own. Uh, so yeah, Mr. Beast, this is part of, I guess, what comes with the territory of becoming the biggest YouTuber in the world. And some of my videos, I've literally given away over a million dollars. So a lot of people think that I just came up in a rich household and I'm a trust fund baby. They get called that a lot. In reality, my mom was in the military. She was a single mom and she worked a lot. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? I basically did YouTube videos for years without making any money. When I first started, the videos were horrible and they slowly got less and less horrible throughout the years. Even then, when I was making money the first few years, it was nothing, it was scraps. You grind and you grind and you grind year after year after year after year. It definitely does hit you but I had more reasons than just wanting to be famous or just wanting money. Anything you can fit in this mysterious circle, we'll pay for it. Thank you so much. Dude, that's awesome. We ain't never had nobody bless us like this. As selfish as it sounds, I like helping people because it just makes me happy. I 
There it is, folks. He likes helping people because it makes him happy. You know, one of the sore spots that he never talks about is growing up without a father. And it makes you wonder, you know, is he just trying to make others happy because he wants this this happiness that maybe didn't exist uh, ultimately in his childhood? I say that as someone who was raised by a single mom myself, and it's like you just want people to get along, and he found a way to do that. He found a way to monetize happiness and share it with others, and yet people think are brainwashed to think that he's the problem, not the system that we live in. Now, how do we fix this? Mr. Beast <laughs> posted a uh, he, he posted a tweet yesterday after calling out the people that don't like him. He says, would you vote for me if I ran for president? I'll say this. Does Mr. Beast know anything about politics? Probably not too much. And he's also a decade too young to run for president. But he has the influence to say if Mr. Beast wanted to promote something like universal health care, he could probably help get it a accomplished with his following by showing his audience, not telling, but showing his audience how valuable it is if we all pool our resources together for the common good. Now, that might involve getting people on left or right, whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, it might help getting a lot of the money out of politics. But a guy like him with deep pockets and ability to to really emotionally uh, connect with an audience is a guy that should be looked at and which means he's going to be, they're going to try to cancel him and, you know, people are going to try to control him. And as long as he keeps making his content and spreading that love, uh, there's going to be a lot more to this story in the future. Well, that's it for me. I've been Dave Neal. And thank you guys so much for all of your loyalty, commitment, investment in the channel, liking, following, subscribing, sharing. I appreciate it all. You're helping the channel grow immensely by letting the algorithm know that we mean business. And we will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Bachelor Rush Hour.